following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. My big brother Sterling, I'm the only player of 267 men that's walked through this, this building to my left that can honestly say this. I'm the only pro football player that's in the Hall of Fame, and I'm the second best player in my own family. On today's episode, Andrew and I discussed the short but great career of Sterling Sharp for NFL history. Listen to his upbringing in Georgia alongside his Hall of Fame brother, Shannon, his collegiate NFL careers, and his unfortunate ending to it all. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Matt Johnson, and this is the Two Point Conversation. Andrew, we made it down another week. May is flying by. Flying by, my man. I know. Jeez. I know. It's almost Memorial Day weekend, which is good because that means I have uh, a Friday and a Monday off of work. So that's cool. That's really good. Next Friday. Or I'm sorry, next Thursday is my kid's last day of school. Oh, you guys finished in May? Yeah, because of how hot it is. Go back in uh, August, finish in May. Damn, everything's better in Texas. <laughs> For the most part. Yeah, I think every state has its little give and take things. But Quirks. Yeah, we have a Duffs. If you're from Western New York, come on down. Duffs is, I think Duffs is overrated. Well, for what we have here. Oh, yeah. Comparatively, yeah. That's fair. There's a place called Buffalo Bros that is supposed to be Western New York-centric, but the pizza doesn't taste right. It tastes like... Um, Shit. Uh, it tastes like they ripped the recipe from Jocko's and like they tried to do it, but it couldn't go all... like They didn't get every ingredient right, but it just kind of tastes like a not-so-good version of, of Jocko's. Okay. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. So if you're ever in Western New York, go down to Jocko's for pizza. Jocko's, please sponsor us. Please. There's a lot of places I want to sponsor us. A lot. We're trying to get Red Dog. That's We're trying to get Red Dog beer. Yo, they don't deliver here. They, I looked up that website. There's no way yeah. to get Red Dog here. Really? Yep. That that Drizzy? Or whatever. Yeah, they don't have it here. I legit searched it up to get Red Bull delivered or Red Dog, and they said not available in your area. The service isn't or Red Dog. I I don't know. I didn't look around at other things, but I've never even heard of it until you mentioned it to me. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I've had uh, a bottle of bourbon and like rum delivered from there. Uh. We That's have nice. A, we have a wonderful, uh, a wonderful liquor store called Specs. Specs. So, yep. Yeah. That's where I get my Molson Canadian from. Hmm. Yeah. 
someday I'll get Red Dog. I looked. I was like, I need to get these guys Red Dog because I just want you guys to go Facebook Live. I think that would be great. You guys go Facebook Live. You choose a random old game. And we just watch your reactions to this game while you drink Red Dog. And we could call it the Red Dog Hour. I'm fine with that. Talk show style? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I was looking. I was like, why did I like it so much? I found. I looked up the all the old commercials on YouTube. Incredible. You're you're very into this red dog. I was, and it just you know yesterday's episode just rekindled my love for it all. So (laughs) that'd be a that'd be a crazy little episode. Yeah, from our youth. See, our big thing was Spud McKenzie. He was like the Budweiser dog. Okay. And you'd be like, oh, there's Spud McKenzie. And he would always have like a party and girls around him and everything else. So that I could see that. But (laughs) speaking of back in the day, let's talk about Mr. Sterling Sharp. Yes. I got to ask you, because I know you are, it, it doesn't feel like it all the time, but you are a younger, younger, younger than me. So you know, actually seeing the players live is not as many as I have seen. So did you know of Sterling Sharp kind of growing up, even though he he was out in 94? I know you were born in like 91. So, but did you ever hear his name or anything like that? I, uh, I remember his name. I mean, obviously I'm more familiar with Shannon than I am Sterling, but you know, growing up card, uh, you know, with, with cards, Sterling Sharp's name always kind of came up, but I, I don't really, I didn't see him. Um, I never really got to see him play, unfortunately. So, um, but familiar with him, familiar with the family, because obviously, like I said, Shannon, I was around for a lot of years of Shannon Sharp. Yeah. Um, and there were times where I got their names mixed up and confused, but um, yeah, not uber, uber familiar with uh, Sterling Sharp growing up. Sterling Sharp was the man. Uh, like I said before, this guy was probably second best wide receiver in the league during during a certain point, if not arguably the best. What he could do was absolutely amazing. Run by you, you know, get off the jam, make amazing catches. He was just all over the place. Sterling Sharp was was the Green Bay Packers offense before Brett Favre became Brett Favre. Right. I can say that much. Yeah, I get that. But like you said, he grew up in Georgia with his grandparents and his younger siblings. He is one of seven children. And you might know one of his younger brothers there and Shannon Sharp. He graduated from Glenville High School playing running back, quarterback and linebacker and was also a member of the basketball and track teams. He ended up going to the University of South Carolina, not quite known for their football abilities back then. Uh, he played as a wide receiver. He set school records with 169 career receptions and 2,497 receiving yards. And a since broken record of 17 career touchdowns, which 17 career touchdowns back then is pretty crazy. Yeah, that's a lot for a uh I mean, how long did he play a full four? I believe he did. 
Yeah, I'm trying to find. Trying to see if he did. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not seeing it. Um, but regardless, 17 in a year is, you know, or excuse me, in any stretches is not bad. Yeah, it, it was probably four. 169 re- receptions, 2497 receiving yards. Especially you got to consider, too, you know, where the offense is and the style of football play uh, from, from back then. That's, yeah, I would probably say it's a four. Yeah, it was it was for um, eighty three his freshman year. He only had one reception for five yards, but so the bulk is within three. Gotcha. So not a bad tenure, not a bad no. tenure at all. And uh, yeah, it looks like they uh, really highly touted coming into the draft the upcoming season. Big year for wide receivers too. I was looking in nineteen eighty eight. Uh, Tim Brown. Michael Irvin, uh, Anthony Miller, not not too bad of a, not too bad. Oh, I'm sorry, Michael Irvin was 87. Yeah, 88, Michael, no, he was 88. Was he 88? 88. Yep, okay. I got it right here. Uh, he was oh, 11th yeah. overall. Uh, let's see who else went. Tim Brown was 6th. Tim Brown was 6th. Anthony Miller was 15th. There's a couple of decent ones, uh, and you got to consider two. Thurman came out of this draft. Vicky Woods. I mean, wide receiver aside, this is a a, a pretty damn good. Um, it's not it's not a bad draft. It's not the worst best. It's not the best draft. It's not no. the worst draft, but it's uh, it's it's not a bad one. There is some talent there. This is the Audrey Bruce draft. Yeah, he no good, way. huh? He He's is. real good. Yeah, <laughs> he is. He oh shit, he lasted ten years. So good for him. Who, Audrey Bruce? Yeah, Andre. Yeah. Uh, 88 to 98, so 11 seasons, actually. Tight end and linebacker, because they didn't know what to do with them at one point. <laughs> uh, okay. So back to Sterling. So in 1988, he was selected in the first round, seventh overall by the Packers. He made an immediate impact in his rookie season. He started all 16 games, caught 55 passes. His sophomore season... He led the league with 90 receptions. First Packer to do since Don Hudson in 1945 and broke Hudson's records for receptions and receiving yards in a season. That's pretty big because Hudson in 45 was putting up modern day numbers. Uh, Sharp was known as a tough receiver with strong hands and willing to go over the middle to make difficult catches because Hate to sound like an old man. This is when receivers had to work for that catch over the middle. For sure. Because you didn't want to get destroyed. Yeah, 89 was really, really good. All things considered, 1,400 yards, uh, 14, I think 21 I read. And when you, you know, all things considered, this is pre-Brett Favre. I think this is Don Mikowski. Yeah, this um, is time to Packers were 1423, excuse me, and 12 touchdowns in 89. Um. Some impressive stuff. It's some truly impressive stuff that he's got going on. Uh, you know, a, a really nice sign of things to come. It's definitely not, it's not his best statistical year, but you can kind of see the greatness early on. And, and Packers had something to really work with and entice a, you know, a nice quarterback to, to, to come on through. His first year as a all pro and a first team as a, and first time as a pro bowler. Hmm. So he is. He's looking good. He's looking good. 
a few years later in 1992 with new quarterback Brett Favre. Uh, they teamed up and Sterling hooked up for 107 receptions, but broke the single season reception record set by Art Monk in 1984. This is when it got cool. Like Sterling Sharp was good, but this is when he got like super cool. I still remember seeing the hundred receptions. And today that's kind of like, I feel like that's a little bit of nothing sometimes. I see. I don't necessarily know that. I don't think we get a lot of guys. Well, oh, oh, let me, let me look at some recent stats, but Waddle, no, just had over a hundred. Who did Waddle? Did he really? Did he Waddle? Yeah. I think he had like a hundred and seven or so. I know. I mean, you can see, here we go. Let's see here. Oh, I get, yeah, I guess you're right. I'm way off. I guess. Cooper Cup. I mean, it depends on the kind of offense you're in, but you know, I, I guess the hundreds are more common now. The top 10 receivers last year, 2021, had a hundred. Cooper Cup had 145. Yeah, that's disgusting. Um, <laughs> but so I guess to put it in perspective, though, you got to think of the time. Look, look at the way when we play retro fantasy football. Yeah. yeah. For any of those listeners who do uh do or do not listen to those episodes, the, the style of gameplay was a lot different. And they have 100 catches. And 92, is that Favre's first year with the team? Yes. Okay. You know, and he it's not like he just did it once. He did it back-to-back seasons, too, mm-hmm. um, which it makes it even more impressive. And I guess in a way sad that, you know, it just didn't pan, you know, his career didn't pan out uh, the way that it should have. But, man, that's, yeah, that's a lot of catches. <laughs> Let me see if I can find like league at where it stood in 1992. As far as like, just see where he fit in with, uh, with the rest of the national football league. Sharp was significantly ahead. Andre Risen had 93. Haywood Jeffries at three had 90. That was 92. So 92. Is the year he won the triple crown for receiving. Okay. And there's only been four players to do it, say, since the 19, since the league merger. Only four players have done that uh, Jerry Rice, Sterling Sharp, Steve, Steve Smith, and then Cooper Cup just last year. Okay. So that's, so that means he, he led the league in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. So, yeah, yeah, I'm noticing the one thing I'm looking at too is his targets because it doesn't seem like Favre had a lot to throw to because he is chucking it to Sterling Sharp a ton. Like Sterling Sharp is averaging probably 20 more targets than anybody else. So 92, um, he had 162 targets. Andre Rising in second place with 144. Like he shattered. Um, he shattered that. Let me see 93. Uh, so, I mean, obviously what that means is that Favre trusted him. 93, I think uh, Sharp had 189 targets, which was good for 30 more targets than Jerry Rice seen, uh, which is impressive. So, um, yeah, just chuck it up and see what Sterling Sharp can do for you. That seems to be the, uh, the <laughs> recipe for success here for those early Green Bay Packer teams. Yes. Well, you figure – I think that's anyway with any young quarterback. Favre is what maybe 
when did he come in 91 or 91 he got drafted in 91 yeah yeah so this is like his <clears throat> second year so young quarterback where are you gonna go i think every young quarterback gets a safety net at some point um drew bloodsoe with ben Coates, and then you know marino marks brothers stuff like that 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 same repeating that you're going to know that they're going to be open. So why not just chuck it? Right. No, that's uh it's certainly, you gotta, you gotta try, you gotta try and get these guys something to work with. And, uh, and yeah, no, that's, that's solid. Like what great team building there, you know, that they had, I think they got, you know, they got a couple other pieces. They got a little bit better at running back, you know, as they made their Super Bowl approach, but um yeah, unfortunately, Mr. Sterling Sharp wasn't around for that. No. And, but in 93, he broke his own record, like you said, with 112 receptions, which made him the first player to have consecutive um, seasons catching more than 100 passes. 1994, his 18 touchdown receptions were the second most in league history at the time behind Jerry Rice's 22 in October 24th, 1993, he became the second Packer in team history to catch four touchdown passes in a game since Don Hudson in 1945. But his tenure, as unfortunately he's a part of this theme of the month, was cut short by a neck injury. And it was on just a fluke play in 1994 against... Um, the Falcons, he was going in routine play to block. Uh, I believe he was a safety or linebacker. Brad Ed- Edwards for the Falcons ran into him. You could kind of see his neck snap back. He did play the following week game, but after that, his neck injury just kind of cut it, cut his career short after that. And he seemed he seemed at peace with it going through research. Uh, he seemed at peace with just having to retire. You know, it is what it is where Shannon was a little bit more upset about him retiring. He said he, he cried when he found out his brother had to retire that he oh, was for sure. That's it's, I mean, it's heartbreaking. Shannon, Shannon has long said, um, I think you actually told me this before too, very recently that, uh, what Shannon thinks about his brother Sterling, like and how in high regard he holds Sterling, he says that I, I believe he's been quoted as saying that Sterling was a better football player than him. Yeah, he, you know, he even said Hall of Fame speech wise that out of everybody in the Hall of Fame, he's the only guy that can say he's the second best player in his family. Yeah, and th- I got to say that's a lot for Shannon because he's such a. He, he's an ego guy he's a look at me type of ego guy in that in that sense yeah he had he tried to get the he tried to get the national guard to, yeah. to help him against the bronc uh the the, the jaguars yeah. that one playoff game so but it's i mean it's family so it's different yeah. but it is really neat, always neat to hear that um and man i think that's a what if we should cover before the end of this off season is sterling I think so. I think that's a difference maker for the Green Bay Packers going forward. Potentially. I, I mean, is it more than just one? Do they end up beating the Bronco? You know what I mean? Like that stuff. That's the, I mean, oh man, Sterling and Shannon Sharp. Well, what would his yeah, that too. What would his career look like? Right. 
I mean, he's seven seasons in and, you know, final career uh, things for just his first seven seasons. He's already at 595 receptions, 8,134 yards and 65 touchdowns. I mean, I think that puts him, I, I think it makes him undeniable for the Hall of Fame. I just don't understand why he's not in there. I actually, uh, I think it was Cluster Sports, a YouTube video. They actually did like the first seven years of a couple of players, and they got Jerry Rice, T.O., Randy Moss, and Calvin Johnson. So these are their, this is Jerry Rice's uh, first seven years in the NFL for receptions. He had 526 receptions. Sterling, like we said, had 595. Jerry Rice, uh, a little bit more in the yardage category with 9,072 yards. And then he also had 93 touchdowns his first seven years. Right. So he's got him pretty beat there. But T.O., T.O. is in the Hall of Fame. First seven years, uh, 512 receptions, 7,470 yards and 72 touchdowns. Randy Moss, first seven years, 574 receptions, 9,142 yards, and 90 touchdowns. And then Calvin Johnson has 572 receptions, 9,328 yards, and 66 touchdowns. So that is – those are some pretty good numbers. And I don't – I don't understand why he's not in the Hall of Fame. I don't either, because you look at a lot of some of these sh- these short-term players, right? Gail Sayers, mm-hmm. um, who was a monster at his position, never won a Super Bowl. Never, well, he, he didn't play in the Super Bowl era, excuse me, right? No. Never won an NFL championship, nope. right? Okay, so you got that. Terrell never, he played in the playoffs. Playoffs. Oh, yeah, that's right, playoffs. Playoffs. Um, that's a good point, too. Um, never played in the playoffs, but he got in. Terrell Davis, I can understand. He was a monstrous position, but he also has Super Bowl rings to kind of help him out, right? Two. Um, two and an MVP. Two and an MVP. That helps. Um, but Sterling Sharp, Sharp was, like, primed. And I, I just looked up this article from uh, late, uh, early last year on sportscasting.com and Sterling is a little jaded about it. He feels a little jaded about how he hasn't been into the hall of fame, which is, uh, which is absolutely wild. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't care, but he said he doesn't watch the NFL anymore because he's got no reason to, he feels he should be immortalized. Um, and the only way he can get in now is through the senior, um, as a senior candidate. That's the only way he can get voted in now. So, uh, I, and that's a lot harder to do. I feel mm-hmm. um, a lot harder to do. He also made a wonderful point too. And the kind of what the, you know, well, this guy got in because he played over a longer period of time. Right. And, you know, he, he made it into like collecting stones if I collect stones for five years and you collect stones for 10 years, Matt, who's going to have more stones? It, ultimately what it comes down to, and I hate to do this because I love this guy. 
I do think he's a great receiver, but I was like, you know what? Let's take a look at the guys that are in the Hall of Fame. And I know Andre Reed had a hard time. Andre Reed only had four years of of thousand yard receive thousand yard seasons. Right. And he played in the Bills offense. That's supposed to be so great in every aspect. Yeah. And did he get in? just because he played from 85 to 2000 it probably helped <laughs> that's that's the thing is the super bowl appearances um and i don't want to be like it has to be one or the other i don't want to be i don't i don't want to be like that because i think i mean i love andre reed too um i don't want to discredit andre reed but comparatively there's a lot going for sterling sharp's case uh, unfortunately the hall of fame is um I don't like, I don't really care for the selection process of just about any hall of fame. Well, what is the criteria? I think almost as a fan, it would be better if we knew the criteria. Nobody knows the criteria. Like it seems like the most super secretive thing in the world. I'm pretty sure I can find out the 11 herbs and spices and the Coca-Cola secret recipe before I can find out how you get into the pro football Hall of fame. All right, let me see. Hall of Fame has some things. Okay, selection committee. Um, any fan may nominate any player, coach, or contributor who has been connected with pro football by writing to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The only, the only restrictions that a player and coach must have been retired at least five years before he can be considered. So there's no mandatory retirement period for a contributor before he may be considered every nomination. About, so we can write a letter. <laughs> I mean, we can try and get Drew. Well, Drew Bledsoe might be a bit of a reach, but. Yeah, but I don't see why Sterling Sharp's not in there. If you, I understand it was a different time. If you look up Lynn Swan's numbers, if you, if that's what you want to get down to, I know a lot of people, I, I heard one thing going through doing research that he wasn't big with the media. So that might've hurt him. And I, and I think that's the dumbest thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the fact that it's like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the guy that Deion Sanders was saying he was, the, he was the guy you watched out for. Right. And this is Dion Ron Wolf, who drew, who's been around constant hall of fame players said he was the perfect football player that he could do everything, but yet we don't put him into the hall of fame because he only played seven years and he was putting up numbers because we went over his numbers before 92. He's putting up numbers with Don Mikowski and Anthony Delwig and Dilwig. Yeah, numbers that guys struggle to put up today. Yeah. <laughs> so and the again, the football, the game is way different. So it's it's amazing. I mean, there's some guys in here that I can see. I would put Sterling ahead of Isaac Bruce, and Isaac Bruce is in the Hall of Fame. And Bruce has a ring going for him and a, and a gimmick, yeah, but see that's, I get it. That's so is that what you do? Is it, is the hall of fame actually based on what you do and how well of a player you were, or is it because you were nice to the media? And like you said, you got a gimmick and you got a ring. I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those tough ones. That you just, you it sounds like it's a feeling more so. So 
I just don't get it. <laughs> I know. Hey, maybe we can figure it out. Maybe we can write a letter and see what happens. <laughs> Why is that be cool here? That would be cool. Write a recommendation letter. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so Sterling Sharp in a nutshell, it's him, his career, uh, finished off with a, uh, you know, again, seven years played five-time pro bowler, three-time all pro 595 catches, 8,134 yards and 65 touchdowns over seven seasons, 65 divided by seven. That's averaging nine a season. It's not too shabby. That's not bad at all. For not too, no, heck, heck no. Heck no. Um, but yeah. So next week, Andrew, I gotta ask. Uh, I gotta ask. Have we done an Earl Campbell episode? I, if you have, you've not done one with me. All right. I think I'm gonna double check. I don't think we have. It's not somebody who I would have touched on um, solo. I don't believe so. But I think right now we'll finish up with Earl Campbell, who retired at the age of 31, right? That's a, that's okay for our criteria? Yeah, because he was slowed down. Yeah, so um, so let's do it. Let's do it. Earl Campbell next week. Oilers running back. Really, really great running back. Powerful, strong, manly Love man you. of running back. Manly man. Love you, Blue. Yeah, classic Oilers, so we get to talk about that, them. That's a fun team. Those Oilers of the late seventies. I know. That oh, with that Dan Pastrami guy as your quarterback. Uh, Pastorini. I'm hungry, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but very good. That is uh, that is a wrap. Is there anything you want to add to this episode before we close up shop? No, just just. I wonder what the secret sauce is to get into the Hall of Fame, and I'm wondering why Sterling Sharp is not in there. Yeah, all these years we'll have to figure it out and we'll definitely do a what if of it um eventually before the end of the, uh, this uh this upcoming off season so but thank you so much listeners uh on behalf of andrew and i have a great weekend until next time the two-point conversation is